0: You would take out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. On on page 1016. Luke 1, we're going to start at verse 26. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month... what comes to mind what images do you think about Christmas' past do you think can, can you see in your mind the faces of loved ones maybe that aren't that aren't even here any longer that have passed on do certain memories fill your mind from your childhood of things that you experienced i know we set our christmas tree up this past week and and a lot of the 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 village with all the lights and it's fun watching Noah react to those. Um, he loves to lay underneath the tree and look up and look at the lights through the branches and that little village. He loves just to watch the twinkling lights and I can remember doing that too when I was when I was little, and when our our other kids were were younger. For other kids, it might be the thought of Santa and his reindeers or the toys they might get. The poem, The Night Before Christmas, says the children had visions of sugar plums dancing in their heads. Can't say I ever had that, but okay. For others, though, maybe Christmas doesn't bring a lot of happy memories for you. Because you see it through the eyes of loneliness or sadness. or Your memories of family gatherings weren't the greatest. Maybe they were sad memories. A lot of brokenness, alcohol, drugs or depression, or even mental illness. To those of us who are saved, we look at Christmas through totally different eyes. We see an added dimension, and that's the spiritual realm. And hopefully those of all of you who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right away when we enter the Christmas season, you think of that gift of Jesus and the love that Jesus was given to us in. And because of that love, and because Jesus eventually went to the cross, dying there for our sins, this really is a, a time to celebrate, because you really can't have the cross without his birth, and his birth is really meaningless without the cross. You need them together. You need to see him together. What do you think those events look like for Mary and Joseph? I'm sure they didn't understand how they fit into the Christmas drama. They just knew something really amazing was happening, and they were part of it. first singing an angel, later then Elizabeth would come and in her old age, she was pregnant. Mary herself saw the angel Gabriel when they were in the, uh, in the main, um, when they were in the uh the cave or whatever you want to call it where where jesus was born um suddenly here comes all the shepherds bowing down before them and i'm sure they didn't totally understand what was going on we're told that mary treasured these things in her heart and i bet she did i bet she went to bed a lot and i bet joseph did too wondering what in the world is going on how do we fit into god's great plan of salvation Today, Christmas has become a million dollar business, but thankfully, we know the reason for the season, right? We know what it 's about. We can so easily lose that though because we 're constantly being tempted and bombarded by the world to to make the Christmas celebrations something that 's very earthly and very worldly and so we've got to fight against that. Not that all those things are wrong. I mean we can embrace the good, but At the same time, we don't want those things to take our eyes off of what Christmas is really all about. This morning, we're going to once again allow the angel Gabriel to give us another piece of the Christmas story. But before we look at this good news that Gabriel proclaimed, let's focus for a moment just on Mary. Now, for most of you, this is a pretty familiar story. You've heard lots of sermons about mary throughout your life but it's good to be reminded of what she was going through how hard this must have been twice gabriel tells mary she's highly favored by god and she's going to be part of god's great plan of salvation she's going to be the mother of the savior of the world wow that's quite some news to be told especially because she was still a virgin but Gabriel said that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and make the impossible possible. You wonder what was going through Mary's mind as the angel was, was speaking, don't you? I mean, sure, she was highly favored by God, but think of her situation. Think of what she was about to face. I mean, she was engaged to be married to Joseph. Engagement was just like being married back then. I mean, it was... It was a, like a contract that, that was made, and, and you didn't get out of this lightly. It's not like it is today. And all of a sudden, to be found pregnant, even though you're not married yet, what would Joseph say when he found out? How would Joseph respond? Would he divorce her? Back then, women didn't have a lot of rights, so Joseph could have, could have easily told the elders, and they could have dragged Mary out and stoned her. I mean, that's how serious this all was. Mary was probably about 15 when Gabriel met with her. That's typically when Jewish girls got married back then. And even if Joseph agreed to marry her, can you imagine how the people would have talked? How they would have pointed? How they would have gossiped about Mary and Joseph? They must have been messing around. There would have been all kinds of stories, despite this incredible story that Mary and Joseph were telling people. No, no, it's a God thing. Yeah, sure. I'm sure the women especially would have probably uh, scorned her and ostracized her and would have not been easy. You have to admit, it would have been a tough situation for anyone to be in. There were so many questions left unanswered. That's the thing. Gabriel really doesn't give her a lot of details, does he? Yet despite all the challenges and risks and ridicule that it opened Mary up to, still she was able to say those incredible words. And I hope it it struck you as, as we heard them again. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me just as you have said. Wow, that's faith. That's incredible faith, especially given how little she really knew about what was about to happen to her. Notice for a moment the similarities between Zechariah and Mary. Both heard this good news, but look at the difference in how they they responded. While both were troubled with Gabriel's appearance and greeting, and both found God blessing them with a child, which was good news. Yet Zechariah responds to this good news with doubt. But Mary doesn't. Mary asks questions, but for Mary it's faith, seeking, understanding. And that's a big difference. God doesn't mind our questions, especially when we're just seeking to understand. Mary was ready to take that step of faith, but she had a couple questions, and I don't blame her either. So what did Gabriel proclaim about the coming of jesus first you shall call his name jesus this is the same thing joseph was told in his dream recorded in matthew you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins jesus is the the greek form of the hebrew word joshua meaning god of salvation or you could say it means god saves Years earlier, the prophet Isaiah revealed the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. How exactly Jesus would save God's people, Mary must have wondered. That must have been one of the things that she pondered. I would, again, I would tend to think Mary spent a lot of time thinking about all, all that. Throughout her life, especially when she saw Jesus, On the cross. Second, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, Gabriel said. This statement declares the significance of the promised child to be born and who exactly he was. Gabriel was proclaiming to Mary the same truth that the psalmist wrote years earlier The Lord has said to me, You are my son, today I've begotten you. Again, Fulfillment of so many prophecies that we find in the Old Testament. This truth would be revealed and answered years later when Jesus was uh, baptized and God made that announcement from heaven. Third, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Jesus would also be great because he would reign on David's throne forever. Israel had been longing for a Messiah forever. Longing for someone to take over David's throne, to sit on that throne again. But centuries had passed and no Messiah had come. And I'm sure they started to doubt. Maybe some people thought, God wasn't faithful, that God really didn't keep his promises. But Gabriel was proclaiming to the people and to us that, no, that's not true. God does. Just as he said, the Messiah had at last come. His name was Jesus. In Mary's day, the house of David had been cast down, and foreigners were uh, ruling the land. But Gabriel was announcing to her that her son Jesus would be the one that would change all that. Many kingdoms, they come and go, but not this kingdom. This kingdom would last forever. What is the house of Jacob? Well, think of the 12 sons of Jacob, which became the 12 tribes of Israel, which eventually became the New Testament church. Jesus' kingdom, says Gabriel, will be eternal Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. And these truths that Gabriel proclaimed to Mary, they weren't just for her. wasn't just for the people back then, but it's for us too. It's for us to claim. First, do not be afraid. Because of God's eternal presence, there's no need to be afraid. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ... We have nothing to ever fear again. Do you know that? We don't have to be afraid as Christians. God's got this. Everything that you're dealing with, you're not dealing with it alone. God is there. Again, Jesus has promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Everything that we face, He is right there at our side. I hope that comforts you. That's why we don't have to be afraid. We can count on Jesus to keep his promise. Second, Gabriel says to Mary, you have favor with God. Do you know that you also have favor with God? Every one of you, if you're a child of God. You have favor with God. When he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees only the blood of Jesus. Why? Why does he treat us with such favor? Is it because of anything we've done? Obviously no. Because we're all still struggling with sin. It's a reality that we face each and every day. But again, because of what Christ has done, when God looks at us, he now sees us as the redeemed. He sees the righteousness of his own son covering over us. Ephesians 2.8 says this, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own, it is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. Oh, that's good news, isn't it? it Because if it was based on us and our actions, man, none of us would make it. We might do good for a little while, but we fall flat on our face over and over again. Thankfully, it's not, though. That favor that God shows us, it's a gift of love. It truly is. Something that we don't deserve. He loves us with an everlasting love, the Bible says. That's a reason to rejoice. Third, his name will be Jesus. His name will be Jesus. God sent a Savior to redeem us from our sin. God promised a Messiah, a deliverer, a redeemer. and Again, he kept his word, just as he had promised. I remember hiking with the kids when they were little when we were living in New Mexico. And we were hiking down a a slot canyon of, of sorts. And we eventually got to a place where the walls were high on both sides, and here's a waterfall in front of us. It was about eight foot or nine foot. I could get down it because I could put my back on one side and my feet on the other and kind of squirm my way down to the ground, but the kids weren't big enough at the time. And so I told them all to just sit on the edge it was, there was no water. It was dry at the time. told them to sit on the edge and to jump, and I would catch them. That's easy for Dad to say. It's a little harder when you're sitting on that edge and you're looking down. Eventually, though, they did jump. Why? Because they trusted me, right? I told them, I would catch you. I'm not going to let you fall. And because they took me at my word, eventually, they, one by one, they all jumped over. And thankfully, I didn't drop (laughs) them. Sometimes, just like Mary, God puts us in some interesting circumstances where we have no clue what he's up to. And at times like this, how will we respond? Will you be able to say like Mary did, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said? What enables a person to say that? Well, just like I just illustrated, trust, right? Because she trusted God. She took God at his word, and she believed. She believed even though there was going to be a lot of unknowns. She didn't know what she was facing. Just like we don't always know what we're facing. We could so easily get sick, lose our job, have something... Terrible happened to our family? Will you still trust? Will you still believe in it, even at moments like that? It's easy to believe when things are all going well and the, everything's going smooth and everyone's happy, but it's challenging when God asks us sometimes to take a step of faith, right? And we don't know what's before us, what's ahead of us. At times like that, will you trust him enough to say, okay, Lord, I'm your man. I'm your woman. Use me. I'm ready to take that step of faith to be used by you. One of Corey Ten Boone's favorite songs had a chorus that went something like this I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over ocean or land or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Can you say that this morning? Can you say those same words? Be ready to take that step of faith for the Lord, knowing that nothing is impossible for him. Is there a risk following Jesus? Is there a risk? You bet there is. The Bible says you're going to lose your life. But for those who have walked on water with Jesus just like Peter did, there's nothing like it in all the world. When you're walking on the waves with Jesus... When you're surrendered to his will, that's when you really start to live. That's when our Christian lives get to be exciting. But in order for that to happen, you got to take that step of faith. You got to be like Peter, and you got to step out and you got to let go of the boat. And you got to grab Jesus' hand, right? Boy, when you got Jesus' hand in your own, the things you can do. For others of you, maybe you used to hold Jesus' hand, but because he was leading you places that you didn't really care for, you let go. This morning, he's reaching out to you again, and he's saying, would you take my hand? Stop trying to do this on your own. Stop trying to live in your own strength, and trust me. Follow me. Take my hand. I have such exciting things planned for you and for your life. Will you just Trust me. It's so easy to doubt, isn't it? It really is. It's so easy to get consumed with the world and what's going on around us and our problems, and we lose sight of what it's really all about. And that's living for Jesus, right? Mary trusted God. She had put her life in his hands. And she was okay wherever her heavenly father was going to lead her. I think what's so incredible about Mary's faith and her trust is that she really didn't know what was about to happen. About how Herod would want to kill all the baby boys, and her and Joseph would have had to run for their lives. She didn't know about any of that. She didn't know about how her son would be hated by the religious leaders. She didn't know yet about how one day she would see her son nailed to a cross, dying there for the sins of the world. God didn't tell her any of this. But she was okay with everything that was about to happen because she trusted in God she knew that God would take care of her and that was enough this morning how will you express your thanks to God for his gift of love to you in Jesus will you come worship and adore him you're here this morning that's what we've done right worship and adore the Lord give him the praise that is due his name is he asking more from you than that do you want to maybe show them your gratitude by serving? Using your gifts? Being involved in, in the ministries of this church? Or maybe you're just like Peter, and, and he's asking you to let go of the boat and, and take his hand and follow you to Africa. Or to go to Ukraine. Or Hungary. Or some other distant place. Is it scary? You bet it would be. But you're hand in hand with the Lord, and that's why you can do it. That's why you can take that step of faith. That's why you don't have to be afraid. Or maybe at this point in your life, he's just asking you to simply trust him. As you go through life storms. Even though there's winds and and waves and A storm all around you. He's just asking you, will you trust me? I know this doesn't make sense, and I know this is hard, and you don't want to be where you're at right now, but will you trust me? Whatever it is, I pray each of you will have the courage to join Mary in taking that step of faith and saying, just as she did, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me just as you have said. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can put our trust in you. Thank you for the example of Mary, Lord, and her, her incredible faith. And Lord, just as she was able to say, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said, Lord, may we be able to say that each and every day and follow you.